This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ransomware is one of the biggest cybersecurity issues facing the world today, with organizations all across the globe falling victim to cybercriminals who are extorting them for ransoms. But how do these attackers get into the networks and what are they doing once they're there? And how can you protect your network from falling victim to one of these attacks in the first place? I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. And with me to talk about ransomware and how to stop it is Ed Williams, Director of Spider Labs at Trustwave. Thanks for joining me, Ed. So first of all, uh, ransomware is so common nowadays, but how are attackers actually getting into these networks in the first place? Because it seems like it's almost easy pickings when you see how many different types of attacks there are, I guess, on a daily basis even. Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for having me on this podcast as well. So how are ransomware attackers getting in? So if we take it back to basics, we know there's probably three or four main attack vectors that they're using. So they're looking to exploit vulnerabilities. So that's where then there's uh, an external facing bit of infrastructure, maybe a VPN or some computer that's sitting on the internet and it's not being patched quickly enough. So the attackers are really clever. They know that if something is missing a vulnerability, they can can look to exploit it and then move through the organization that way. Then there's other simple things like password guessing, you know, good old passwords, been around forever. They'll probably still be around for quite a while to come and people, are not very good at choosing good or random passwords. And then probably the third thing then would be some sort of email or phishing compromise. So that's when uh, a PDF or something malicious comes in via an email and it's just too tempting to click on it and people click on it and then they get exploited and then the attacker is in or the ransomware is in and up and running. Two of those things you mentioned there, passwords and the, the way that email phishing is used in some of these attacks, particularly when the ransomware gangs are very hands-on, uh, have some of the most common ways, especially you know, given the last 18 months, how people are working. We can see now we are both talking to each other from our homes here. And a yeah. lot of people, uh, this is how we are having to work now. We don't have that face-to-face contact. So a lot, of, a lot more work is being done over emails and collaboration tools. And that's something that, unfortunately, the attackers have... Uh, successfully taken advantage of over the last 18 months. Absolutely, absolutely. So what we're seeing is there's, there's a rise of um, organizations using the cloud. So whether that's a SaaS product like collaboration tools and emails, and with that rise in the use of the cloud, the attackers are actually using that because there's a bigger footprint um, for them to attack via the internet. But they're also using the cloud then as their backbone to be able to use whether it's ransomware as a service or to be able to move quickly between different providers so they're not getting caught quickly. So it's a bit of a sort of two-pronged attack, I guess, that the rise of the cloud is also facilitating the rise of ransomware. So when the attackers get into networks, how do they actually go from you know, that initial compromise to triggering uh, the ransomware? Uh, especially when you know, it's it, these things, in many cases, only become apparent when that happens, even if though the, even though the attackers in some cases have been in the network for weeks or months, laying the foundations for the campaign. 
So there's there's probably two or three things to think about there. So so once a piece of sort of malware or ransomware is in an environment, what it'll quickly do, and this is all automatic, it'll look for some way to escalate its privileges. So say it'll land on um, a desktop or some sort of end user device. It'll figure out what it is. It'll then say, okay, how can I now get some sort of admin privilege? And there's numbers of different mechanisms to be able to do that. Again, weak passwords, patching, you know, the same things we'll have heard time and time again, or some sort of misconfiguration. Once it's got that sort of elevated privilege, what it'll then look to do is to move laterally. So we know, you know, from being a pen tester for 15 years, I know that organizations are not very good at segmenting their network or not very good at not sharing admin passwords. So if you're able to get um, an admin credential on one host, you're very, very likely to be able to get an admin credential on another host and then just move across. And then what that ransomware will then look to do, because they're pretty clever in how they do it, they will then look for sensitive files, um, whether they're sort of SQL databases or CSV files or things that are, that are large in nature in terms of data, and then comb through that, use that, send that back to their command and control center, probably on the cloud, uh, and then move on to the next target, and then on to the next target, and then on to the next target. So it's, it happens very quickly. So what happens uh, for organizations, for victims, I suppose, when uh, they see that they are the victim of a ransomware attack? I mean, in many cases, it's only when they see that ransom note on the screen and the fact they can't access most of their systems that they know it's happened. So it, what is the what is the experience they go through then? Because it must be something of a, a panic, I suppose, especially if you can't operate anything at all. It is, it is. So the, the impact is, is probably three main areas that we see. So the first one, uh, once the ransomware is in and propagating around, will be the exfiltration of data. So anything that is sensitive or deemed of interest will get siphoned out via a command and control channel. Um, good mature organizations will probably see that happening or have some inclination that something is odd and they'll be able to stop that. Less mature organizations, that is difficult. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, probably difficult for mature organizations as well. Um, what particularly pernicious bits of ransomware malware will do is look to destroy backups. Um, so these are hot backups that are within that infrastructure. And then probably the last thing that they'll do then is encrypt that data. So you then as the end user of the business can't actually function as a business. So there's again, threefold, the data goes out, they stop you then from being able to back up any data and then encrypt that data and asking for I know whether it's Bitcoin or cash or whatever after. This data element has become a key part in many many of these campaigns because not only are they encrypting your data, they are stealing it and using that as a, another extortion tactic as well. Because as we've seen, there are plenty of organizations which don't pay the ransom, but then they still get their data leaked on the internet no, because they haven't paid that ransom. And in, in, in many other cases, the threat of that data is pushing the victim to paying the ransom because they could take time to try and manually restore it themselves. But when they think, oh no, our data is going to be leaked if we don't pay this now, some are taking that option, which is just another string to the bow of these attacks. Yeah, that's that's the tightrope that organizations need to walk down these days. So, you know, we know data really is is the new oil. As far as organizations, you look at, you know, um, the cloud, everything is data driven. Um, there's so much we can do with data. And it, it really is the lifeblood of many organizations. So they really, really need to um, ask themselves, okay, before the fact, hopefully, 
what happens if our data gets lost? What happens if this data gets compromised? Can we manage as a business? Can we continue? And those are the questions that need to be asked, hopefully, before a ransomware attack um, is sort of initiated in that organization. So if an, an organization falls victim to a ransomware attack, what are the sort of things they should be considering in order to uh, try to make the attack as uh, least effective as possible? Although at this point, if they fall on victim, things must be quite bad already. Yeah. So it, again, it depends how mature they are in an organization. I, I would suggest the first thing to do is not to panic. Um, and to, again, sounds easier um, than said. So, but what, what we see mature organizations do, and when we're pen testing, we, we try and mimic um, ransomware and sort of nation state attackers, is what you want to make it difficult to cross certain boundaries um, so you can lessen the impact of uh, a, a malware attack or a piece of ransomware. So if you can do that and say just you know, one business user gets business unit gets compromised, then that is much easier to, to isolate, to determine what's going on, contain it, and then you know, bring services back online. If it's an entire organization, then it gets really difficult. So you've got to, first of all, determine what is going on, where it's, where it's going on, and bring those services down, then try and eradicate that malware, ransomware, whatever it might be, a host at a time, and then look to restore data then from maybe a cold backup or something like that. So how can victims try to eradicate the, the malware? Because uh, as we've seen, these uh, ransomware attackers can be quite uh, tenacious and even vindictive if they think they are being uh, found out. We talked about the, the potential for data to be, to be leaked or uh, other things that they, they might do as well in order to try and really sort of twist the knife in order to prevent uh, victims from trying to call outside help. It, it's really difficult once you've been hit by ransomware. You know, we've seen numbers you know, tens and tens of organizations, hundreds of organizations who've been compromised and, you know, they're down for weeks, um, maybe even longer. So it's it's very difficult. But the first thing to do is to understand, okay, what is going on? That That is the difficult thing. Because um, what the ransomware will actually do very quickly is identify what your network looks like. Once it knows what your network looks like through various commands it can run on various different servers and hosts, it can figure out then a plot through that network and you know, we've seen all too often that organizations don't know what assets they've got. They don't know what data flows they've got. And you know, malicious code, malware, ransomware will figure that out very quickly. And it, you mentioned it being particularly pernicious. It is. It'll actually, in some instances, sit and wait for a certain action or trigger to happen and then do what it's intended to do. So it's, it's very, very difficult. The, Again, it's easy for me to say the best thing an organization can do is to get ahead of it and make sure they've got those hurdles in place. So first of all, the initial access is very difficult. Then the sort of consolidation and preparation where I talked about the lateral movement and the privilege escalation, make sure that is really hard. And then the impact then, making sure that doesn't happen or the impact is as minimized as can be. But again, all very difficult, needs to be planned, needs to be thought out before the case. So what are some of the key things that organizations can do to help protect their network from falling uh, victim to a ransomware attack in the first place? Because I suppose you know, the best way to make sure that a ransomware attack doesn't have a massive impact is to not become the victim in the first place, which uh, in the world we're living in right now might be easier said than done, but there are still steps which can be taken. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's always things that can be done. So the first thing that I would always recommend 
all organisations do, regardless of size, is have a really good understanding of what assets they've got. Um, and the reason why that is, is if you don't know what assets you've got, then you can't secure them. And all too often we speak with organisations as we were able to compromise this host. And the normal, the first two things they say is, oh, we thought we turned that off, but we don't know what that is. And that is what is getting exploited and getting attacked by um, ransomware and malicious threat actors. So, so really understand what you've got both externally, so internet facing, and then internally as well. Again, sounds easy, but in large, complex, heterogeneous environments, it's something that needs to be done all the time and constantly. Once you've got a good understanding then of, of what your assets look like, then you can build in layers then. So you can do good vulnerability management to making sure that there's no exploits um, available for your kit that's out there. Um, making sure that you're doing this regular because we know exploits, um, you know, they, they come out pretty quick um, and they can get weaponized pretty quick by malicious threat groups. Um, again, once you know what assets you've got, making sure that you're locking all these things down. You know, all too often we see things like RDP on the internet or VPN without 2FA, or, you know, multi-factor authentication, all those good things. Um, making sure that you've got the basics covered. And then as well, passwords, 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 making sure that you've got a good understanding, you're removing default passwords, you're removing quote unquote weak credentials because they will get compromised. And then you've also got things, defense in depth type things and like good segregation. Um, again, difficult to do in reality, but it's totally possible once you've got a good understanding of what your environment looks like. And as well as that, making sure things are run with least privilege. So not having not having one element get compromised and then that just leaves um, total access. So making sure, say, say an end user is compromised, then that is the only thing that that bit of ransomware can do is compromise that one user. So there's there's a lot there, um, but it really goes back to the basics. And, and the reason why we call them the basics is because they need to be done across an enterprise. Very difficult to do in reality. Definitely. There's one of those things here where you know, it's easy to give out this advice, but if you're a massive organization, you know, sometimes these things can get lost, especially you know, if you're having to deal with uh, people you know, being remote now. You can't, it's not so easy to you know, provide software updates and uh, patching and that sort of thing. If, every, yeah. if, if all of your users have their devices, particularly if they're, they're, they're using applications which aren't cloud-based, uh, that can make things really tricky. Oh, oh definitely. The, these are really complicated issues. But you know, with all the a lot of the tooling is available. Um, but it, to deploy it at scale takes effort, um, and it's very difficult for organisations really to get an understanding of the return on that investment. It's funny, you know, we we'll ask an organisation before a breach, "What's your security budget?" and it's X amount. After a breach, it's almost unlimited in many situations. So it's having that discussion and having that understanding of what is the impact should the worst happen. And then once you, once you start that, then you can build up, as we mentioned, asset management. Getting things regularly pen tested is a very good way of making sure that you're, you're staying ahead of the curve. And we know that um, technology is something we can test, but you've also got to look at the people and the process. We, you know, right back at the beginning of this conversation, we spoke about phishing. That is still so popular. Organizations and ransomware will still leverage phishing because they know people can easily be seduced into clicking on things and opening things that they shouldn't be doing. Well, hopefully anyone watching this will uh, take this advice on board. They can help them avoid being the next victim of a ransomware attack that we're talking about. Uh, thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update, Ed. And for more information on how to keep 
uh, your network secure from cyber attacks, ransomware, and all manner of things on the internet. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe to the ZDNet YouTube channel. And of course, there's plenty of articles, features, and guides on ZDNet.com. Thanks for watching.